The Red Lamp District, Episode 9, Saved in Hope by Pope Benedict XVI, Part 2. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Red Lamp District, Episode 9. This is John and Chris. You're sitting right next to me. What's up? Not much. Not much. Cool. Yeah, so um, we're talking, we're continuing our discussion of Space Salvi this week. The uh, epic encyclical by Pope Benedict Sixteenth, now Pope Emeritus Benedict, of course, um, about... The virtue of hope, the theological virtue of hope. So, uh, we got through the first, the background in the first six, six articles last week, and we're going to be, um, I wouldn't say charging ahead. <laughs> we're going to be yeah. kind of stopping and smelling the flowers ahead. But yeah, of yeah. Uh, yeah. It, when it, you know, with this encyclical, because there's just so much good stuff in it. Yeah, you got to stop and smell the flowers. That's. People, that's what we're kind of about, in case you haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we are going to be about on the Red Lamp District, is we take our time. That's right. Don't tell us to hurry up, because that's just going to make that's just gonna slow us down even more. Yeah, I don't think Cause, so. Because we're passive-aggressive like that. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Not not me. Yep. Not, not the doctor here. Not me. No. Nope. If you tell us to slow down, we're going to speed up, by the way. So, <laughs> so yeah. Reverse psychology always works on us. Yeah. Every time. So, yeah, just tell us the opposite of what you want us to do, and then we'll do that probably. So mm-hmm. I guess that's the takeaway. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey, subscribe, rate, review, Red Lamp District. That means go to your podcast app of choice. For many of you, that will be iTunes or whatever Apple has rebranded their podcast app to be these days, the purple thing on your iPhone, um, the purple podcast app that you probably are listening to this to. Scroll down to the bottom of our podcast feed. Well, first of all, make sure you subscribe to it, right? You might not even be subscribed to it yet. You need to subscribe to it. Do that now, and you're done, okay? And then scroll down and find where there's like five empty star things, and then give us five stars, and you're done with that. Good. And then leave us a review. I'll, I'll give you a little, you know, I'll, I'll give you you know time to do that while you're listening to us, but, you know, just say some awesome things about us so people know how awesome we truly are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because there's a lot of podcasts out there, and in order for us to get all the attention away from those other podcasts, we need you all to give us five stars and to say awesome things about us and subscribe. So we do because that's our goal. We're trying to suck away all the attention from all the other podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. So take over the world. Yeah, it's, it, it's going to happen. I mean, it's inevitable at this point. We're we're nine episodes in, people. It's inevitable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. It's yeah. all part of the plan. All right. So now that we have that out of the way, if you want to send us fan mail, head on over to redlampdistrict.com. And uh, you can also uh, email us at, oh, what's that? Did I write it down? Oh, I don't even know. I wrote it down. I think it's, I think it's uh, here, let me check my iPhone here. I think it's, where's my iPhone? Here we go. It's Redlamp Podcast, I believe. Uh, Redlamp Podcast, yes, at gmail.com. You can send us fan mail there. Um and yeah, we'd appreciate it. We love hearing, we will love hearing from you all. And, um, 
you know, talk to us. Let us know you're out there. Hello, hello, hello. Is there anybody in there? <laughs> <laughs> Sounded good. Yes, I know. Yeah. I was you're practicing vocal. that all day yesterday for yeah. that very moment. <laughs> it wasn't spontaneous at you're all. vocalist. Yeah. So, um, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. I, that was all like, yeah, that was like, that's kind of a jerk thing to say. I'm like, I know I am. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Stroke his ego. Thanks, bro. All right. So, yeah, we're continuing with Space Alvi, Saved in Hope. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I I feel like I talk a lot. So, do you want to give the, the kind of the, the, the recap of last time or just kind of... So yeah. we're just diving in. We're not doing the whole like, uh, what what have you been up to thing? Oh to... yeah, you, we we can do. I forgot. Yeah, what you been on, up man. to? Come on, man. Well, last time you called me, a, you said you had a dream about me being a Marxist. So I was a little <laughs> bit, you know, kind of worried about this week. I, you know, I was uh, I was questioning myself all week. So you know, it was, it was a rough week for me. <laughs> yeah. And I was right. like, maybe I shouldn't ask this question maybe again. I, I don't Marxist. know what Chris is going to come up with. So maybe you are, and you don't know it. Maybe my secret's out of you know the cat is out of the bag. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, opium maybe, of the people. Maybe me and uh, and Carl are like are like this. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. But go ahead. No, sure, me, me, you me, asked. Me, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's me. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had some things happen this week. Um, oh, you know, I I uh, I ran in a tough mutter race. Oh yeah. Yeah. How yeah. you feel? How you feeling? Four days out. I'm feeling still sore. Really? Yeah. Right, it's a race, nine miles, mm-hmm. twenty-two, I think. Obstacles, can't remember, but I think it's twenty-two. Ugh. Obstacles range from like jumping into a pit of uh, ice water, mm-hmm. mostly ice, yeah, and then swimming under a, you know, under something to get out. Uh, jumping over pits of muddy water and uh, grabbing onto ropes and swinging across. Those yeah. kinds of things. Really fun, really fun. Oh, totally okay. addicting. It's like a rush. A lot of rush yeah. going on. Yeah. It was cool. You stay muddy the whole time. There's, uh-huh. there's thousands of people out there. Thousands. Whoever did that, whoever has this thing, runs these things, makes a lot of money. Well. Thousands. They charge you for everything. They charge you $10. They charge you $120 to start, to, to be a part of it. So let me get this straight. They, yeah. They charge you to tor- to voluntarily yeah. torture yourself? Yeah. 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 There's, that person is a genius. <laughs> Whoever of, runs that thing is a the, genius. Two of the uh, obstacles had electric shocks involved, and they hurt. <laughs> they really hurt. I mean, it was it was not cool because you're wet. You're like in muddy water, and these little uh, wires are dangling down, and you don't know which one's going to shock you. Were there any like uh, like just total masochists out there who were like putting like you know like chart like <laughs> grabbing on to all of like making it even more difficult for themselves in different ways like no. carrying backpacks full of weights around as they did this? Or there something was like a that? guy. Well, so afterwards we we finished everything, made it through the last shocks, and that was sort of the last obstacle. Yeah, and we were waiting on this long, long line. There's these long lines towards these showers where you can just because you're covered in mud, you just take a hose basically and just spray yourself off with acid. Spray stuff all yeah. with acid and yeah, bleach. Yeah, they tricked yeah. us. It was really an obstacle at the end. But they, there was this guy in front of us, um, and he was like, well, I just, I just, this is my second one today. I ran it this morning, and now I'm running it again. And then you, you're like, I would punch you in the face, but you're a lot Are tougher you than I am. So. I punch you in the face, but I can't lift my arm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. I did it with my brothers. Oh, dude, this is totally, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. every Saturday I do like five of these. So Yeah. What, what is wrong with you? It was, like, it was crazy. There were families out there doing it. There were 
obviously marine there were marines out there doing it together yeah. you know, ex-marines or post-marines whatever yeah i love it yeah i was, love it it's it like fun. it's like um can't get over being you know can't 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 leave the glory days behind i know man yeah <laughs> People... Need to go back to boot camp. <laughs> Do it all over again. <laughs> Just keep doing it all over again every yeah. weekend. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was fun. I did it with my brothers. That's that's cool. And a friend. So. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's not my scene. Man. If I got invited to do one, I might think about doing it, but yeah. no. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I I just, uh, this is why I fill up all my time with doing things like podcasts and music is because mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't want somebody to come along and be like hey you should do this tough mutter with me now i have yeah. ex- now i have an out on it all yeah so. i'm busy yeah i'm busy sorry. with the podcast sorry i've got to uh, wash my hair that that <laughs> day so yeah anyway yeah shout out to all my all my tough mutter family out there oh you were part of a club that you're not there you are yeah yeah well i was in a little something called the military chris <laughs> So, shout out to all my brothers in arms and right. sisters in arms, by the way. You know. Yeah. All right. So, you trumped me on that. That's cool. Yeah. Well. You're better. Bring it. <laughs> you step to this. Yeah, man. Wow. That's why yeah. uh, I'm just uh, basking in your shadow. You mess with the bull, you're going to get the horns. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad you associate with me. Yeah. You let me uh, keep my mic well, on. I, I might not anymore after that. So... <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh yeah, no, good for you. Good for you on the tough mutter <laughs> thing. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're out there keeping it real for all the people like me who are not. So mm-hmm. you just want to keep it real in other ways, mm-hmm. in ways that don't involve uh, torturing oneself. Yeah. So, um, I hope you, you know, Chris is a um, is a good Catholic. Yep. I hope that you were in constant prayer offering these voluntary sacrifices up for the salvation of the world mm, yeah. and, and good causes. That'd have been smart and wise. <laughs> oh, mm. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, now you need to go do another one and, and, <laughs> and do that. Make so. it up. Yeah. yeah. All right. I can't. Ooh. Trumped you. Man. Trumped you again. Dude. Yeah. All right. More to learn. I'm just yeah. grasshopper. You, I, you know, while you were doing that last week, I was actually, you know, um, I was actually doing a holy hour while wearing a hair shirt and <laughs> fasting for 24 hours. So, you know, yeah. yeah. So who's the tough mutter now? Huh? <laughs> oh, um, man. oh man. Okay. What, what, about, what about you, man? What have I been up to? Yeah. Um, I've been, I, I've just been watching postseason baseball pretty, pretty much for the whole last week. So mm-hmm. that's been the, that's been the thing. Yeah. So, um, it's been it's been pretty good, you know. Three of the four division series have gone to are now at five games. So there's two as we record today. There's two uh, the two National League division series are going are in their you know winner take all game. So that's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the one really disappointing thing is that the uh, hated Yankees mm-hmm. swept the Twins, and I just have this feeling. Mm-hmm. I just have this really bad feeling that. Uh, that the Yankees are um, hashtag blessed this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're gonna, you know, that they're just gonna go all the way. Because, like I wa- as I watched them playing the Twins, I was like, hey, the Twins who were who were really good this year, like the best, 
like the home, like they set a record for hitting home runs in one season as a club. Um, they couldn't do jack against the Yankees mm-hmm. in the postseason. And then I was watching too, and even when they did have like some good hits, yeah, the Yankees were just making ridiculous plays. Right. You know, it was like everything mm-hmm. was going right to them, and uh, you know, it it was I was just watching it, and I was like, it's like, it's like, Lord, are you are you really a Yankees fan? <laughs> like, are you? You really like this team? I mean, uh-huh. they make they make their players shave. Like they're not allowed to have facial hair. Like that's one of the things that mm-hmm. I realized a couple of years ago. I was like, that's one of the reasons I hate the Yankees so much because mm-hmm. they have this thing of like, all our players have to have shaved faces. They have to be well groomed because we're the Yankees. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. I hate you guys so very yeah. very much. So anyway, that's the one drawback. Well, um, yeah, it's unjust. Yeah, unjust. It it is. So, uh, I guess I I need to get in the mode of like offering up, you know, the suffering of watching the Yankees in the postseason. <laughs> I was really hoping the Twins would take them out, and I was like, I remember telling them bef- my my boys before the the first game of that series started. I was like, how awesome would it be if the Twins swept the Yankees? And lo and behold, the exact opposite happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It's what's funny so, too is that so. like when players are no longer on the Yankees, they all of a sudden become ten times more likable. <laughs> That's one thing I've noticed. And then if yeah. a player was not on the Yankees before and then they join the Yankees, all of a sudden you're like, this guy's a total jerk. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Brings out the worst. It does. Those pinstripes. It, it is, and the bring out the you worst. know, and the and the grooming standards. I know. You know. I know. I know. Oh, goodness gracious. So, I know, I know. all, yeah, the Yan- Yankees fans are not going to be able to, you know, that's the other thing is that the Yankees fans, they actually, I was going to say like, they're probably all stopping listening to this podcast now. And I'm like, no, they, they eat this up. Like Yankees fans they love, love, love the fact that everybody else hates the team. They love it. Yeah. I know. What is yeah. that? They eat it up. What is that? It's, it's all part of that, the, or that organization, you know, know. it's the, um, uh, the Yankees are the Death Star, and their and their following is the Galactic Empire, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're just they love being the bad guys. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so who's Darth Vader this year in the Yanks? Darth Vader. Well, I mean, Darth Vader kind of has to be. Um, I mean, that's, I'd say Darth Vader has to be their their coach, right? Right. Yeah. Um. So it's what's Aaron Boone. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then yeah. And then I guess the emperor is, uh, you know, whoever owns the two. Uh, I don't even know. It used to be George Steinbrenner, but yeah. I guess it's like his, his sons kids, now or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But hopefully somebody takes him out. Hopefully, hopefully a, um, you know, there's some, some Luke Skywalker out there comes along mm-hmm. and, and takes him out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We can only hope. We can yeah. only hope. Get the balance in the force. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, all the non-baseball fans have stopped listening to us. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, sorry, people. There's, yeah, they exist. You can just fast forward. That's what that thirty-second fast forward button is for. I, I admit, I use it on other podcasts I listen to, especially yeah. like on the commercials go, and stuff. Talking but, about baseball again. All yeah. Right. All right. Get to space, Salvi. Give me something to be hopeful for. Yeah. All right. Nice transition, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, do you want to catch us up on just kind of the where where we're at so far? Yeah. So we're talking about space, Salvi, mm-hmm. which is what's called an encyclical letter, which just means a, a, a letter that's passed around. Yeah. It's a letter that uh, 
the Bishop of Rome writes, and um, it's for for anybody who will read it. Pass it around to other bishops, right? Yeah. It's, well, to, yeah. So other yeah. Communi- yeah, other, yeah. So back in the day, in the early church, prominent bishops would, would around Easter time would write like these letters that kind of passed around, just like uh, Saint Paul did. Mm-hmm. He would write write his letters, and they were read at different different churches. So this tradition continues today. So that's interesting. So when we hear that term encyclical, we you know. In English, we always think of encyclopedia, and so we probably like our eyes roll back in our head, and we get <laughs> automatically bored at thinking right. about it. But really, all we're talking about is like this is just tradition that goes back to the to the apostolic age, mm-hmm. right? With the with Paul and Peter and James and those who wrote letters that were circulated. Yeah, they were circulated. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So in this this um, this letter that that um, Benedict wrote. Um, you know the theme is hope, mm-hmm. and he right at the beginning he connects hope with with faith, mm-hmm. and says in the New Testament these are almost um, terms that can be interchanged. Yeah, it's so essential to the Christian faith is the hope that it gives. Right, that uh, you know it, it is a defining feature mm-hmm. of the faith. So the the, the encyclical is about um, recalling to us, sort of re- hitting the reset button for for Christians um, about what we uh, believe and what we hope hope in what gives yeah. our life what gives our life and the world meaning mm-hmm. and um he starts it off with that paradoxical um phrase from um saint paul's letter to the romans mm-hmm. in hope we were saved yeah um which is a strange statement mm-hmm. because we're not saved yet it's not fully complete but the hope is that the hope brings that salvation into the present mm-hmm. and so saint paul could even say we were saved even yeah. though we're not yet saved. Mm-hmm. So the Christian hope is very um, distinctive in that way. Or maybe not yet fully saved, right? Or not yeah. yet not yet saved in the fullest sense of the term, even though we are saved. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the hope, some bring, sense, yeah. right. the hope that we hold on to is already grasping onto that ultimate salvation. Right. Um, and it brings it into the present. I know when I teach a group of Catholics, I always, it's almost like no matter what topic, I'll, I'll, I, I always try to emphasize the reality of the resurrection, and I use St. Paul's whole idea of that if the resurrection isn't true, right, if it's not literally true in a historical sense, then we have no faith, and Christianity is a sham. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to be very stark with that because I want people to understand that it's not like this is just some nice story, um, you know, that make to make us feel better. Right, that this is this is the root of our faith. Right, that the resurrection is the root of our, the hope of the resurrection is the root of our faith. Yeah. Right, and uh, because you know, I don't I don't always know that like Catholics have been taught that. Right, I mean, it, or or any other Christians for that matter. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, I definitely had a strong sense of it as an evangelical. Like that, I remember like studying the issue of the resurrection when I was a kid, and that was a very big turning point for me because I was like, oh, this isn't just some fairy tale. This is something with solid historical backing for it right Mm -hmm. and um and so i i I just i want people to understand that it's that the resurrection it all starts there and if we don't have that then we have you know then then at best all we are is just some kind of weird social club yeah right for sure or spiritual self-help group yeah right um which isn't the way the truth in life it's just another another organization among many yeah. but if the resurrection did happen then this is the way the truth and the life 
Um, right. So, so going back to that statement and hope we were saved, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father. The that that event of the resurrection is our salvation. Mm-hmm. So it, we're connected to that in the hopes that we're joined to that through sacramentally joined to the living Christ through the sacraments and yeah. baptism. We're, we're baptized into his death, we're sort of participating in a death and a resurrection, passing through divine judgment to the other side. Mm-hmm. And that we do that already sacramentally, and that's our salvation and being joined to Christ through faith. Right. Um, and, and sacramentally. And then that union with Christ is our hope that we too will pass through death, which is sort of like the is the is the outcome of a fallen world of sin, and that we, we've already passed through it. Mm-hmm. So we were saved, and then at the end of our life, or um, when we when we stand before God, we we will be saved, mm-hmm. um, and and because of Christ, I think that's the that's the sort of tension or the paradox that you hold both both right. together: the past event and the future, you know, event that that. It's ours. Yeah. And so that brings us to um, to our what we're going to be looking at this week and, and continuing to trace Benedict's thought through this encyclical. And, you know, again, like I said last week, I, I there's so much good stuff in here. And, we, you know, you and I, I think we had set out and we're like, oh, maybe we'll go through this in two, in two episodes. And I'm quickly thinking like, no, we can be sl- like, we need, we can be slower than that, and it's probably appropriate that we do because it's so rich. Mm-hmm. There's just so much here, and I don't want to just like kind of summarize each article and then move on. I want to like explore what he's getting at. Um, and so here we are, Article Seven, and this article is really, you know, getting to the the whole idea of what this sub this idea of substance is that we translate into. Um, and English is substance, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is the, the the thing that's most prominently highlighted here for me in this article is um, is the the section on Luther. Uh, you know, it's always always fun. It's like ooh, uh, church fight, right? You know, um, so it's like you know, this is Benedict gets a little bit um, maybe polemical, um, but in the in a very Benedict way, which is like very soft spoken and like very, yeah. ac- very like kind and academic and, yeah. and constructive. Um, but he's he's going into this idea of like what is this word that we talk about as the substance of faith, right? Um, or I'm sorry, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. That's a quote from the letter to the Hebrews, and he goes into what this word substance is in the original language. And um, I, how do you pronounce this word? I, Hypostasis. Hypostasis. Okay, yeah. I don't know whether it's yeah. hype. I'm not a. Uh, I, I don't know what. I always get mixed up whether it's hypostasis or hypostasis. Yeah, it's but not a big deal. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, we'll see. I'm. You know, hate mail's coming. Well, <laughs> I was hypostasis. You know, the, the podcast I've been doing for the last five years is on Tolkien, and so mm. words, pronunciation of words matter there. So I get like mail from people all the time, being like, "You're saying this word wrong." You know, and I, I try, I try to get it right. So right. Yeah. I just get, you know. Yeah. I'm tired of getting beat up on for it. Yeah. So, I'm for my lack of language skills. Yeah, well, no one speaks ancient Greek anymore, so. Yeah. We don't know. Except for you, apparently, Mr. <laughs> hypostasis. All right. Um, right. So, hypostasis. That's uh, the word for substance. Right. Translate substance. And in, in, in Latin, it's substantia. Mm-hmm. And so, he starts to, he wants to explore, like, what is this word? What What is the, what is the hypostasis of hypostasis? So, um, <laughs> And that's that's where he takes issue with Luther. Now, 
when we think of the word faith, when we think of the word hope in a modern context, you know, and this is another thing that probably people who who hear me talk about matters of faith will get, you know, uh, you know, maybe hear me say a lot, maybe to the point of it being cliche, but like, like what what we speak of as faith is not what most of the rest of the world speaks of as faith, right? Like we are speaking of a a like a, a, a proper thing and not just a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Not just this. Um, well, I kind of feel like this is true, but it's like it's like no, this is something that is real and true in an objective and um, you know concrete sense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or in a more concrete sense than just that. Yeah. And so so that's where he, he brings Luther into the equation. He says to Luther, who was not particularly fond of the letter to the Hebrews, the concepts of the concept of substance and the context of his view of faith meant nothing. For this reason he understood the term hypostasis substance, not in the objective sense of a reality present within us, but in the subjective sense, as an expression of an interior attitude and so naturally, he also had to understand the term argumentum as a disposition of the subject. So what Benedict is, is taking issue with Luther on here is, is the whole idea that really is the modern idea of, of faith. It's, it's, a subjective, it's a subjective belief, something that one kind of feels strongly about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As a po- and and there's, there's nothing wrong inherently with that idea. Yeah. There, there is a sense of faith, even scripturally, I, I would say, of that idea right mm-hmm. um maybe even often but but there's an even greater sense of the term that needs to be emphasized and and Christians need to come back to and that is the sense that the faith is a it's it's like it's an actual substance spiritually like it's something that comes from outside you and is given to you mm-hmm. and i i remember like as i've come to grapple with this over the time of being catholic cuz this was certainly not something i had like that I understood as a Christian. I, I I had it, but I didn't understand what mm-hmm. this whole idea was. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a very important it's a hugely important distinction. Mm-hmm. Um this is something that faith faith is something that is that comes from outside of us and is given to us. Yeah. Faith is a gift. Capacity, and, yeah. and it and it's also this reality that stands outside of us. Mm-hmm. Right? It's this reality that we gotta get plugged into. Yeah. Faith is plugging into this reality right yeah yeah so it's... And, and and faith and hope can, can, can are sometimes kind of used interchangeably mm-hmm. yeah but they they get to the this same idea that it's mm-hmm. this that it's this substance yeah. um so so just a little bit of uh intellectual background to the mm-hmm. subjective sense not not just from luther but after luther and this became really to dominate western theology was the uh, the the um, in the 19th century sort of origins of liberal theology was that, um, like, in, in Friedrich Schleiermacher was a German, really famous, important German theologian. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he de- he defined the essence of religion as this feeling of absolute dependence. Mm-hmm. So it's just a it's just a sense that I am wholly dependent on um, something other. Yeah. There's no there's no there's no capacity to know what that is. There's no content to that except the feeling. So I don't. Right. There's no objective reality that we can um, that has any intelligibility to it. It's mm-hmm. just that feeling. And so post-Luther, when Luther wanted to reject this whole like scholastic um, apparatus that has all these sort of objective, you know, and distinctions, and, and he thought that clouded the whole vision, and he wanted to sort of re- restart from the beginning with that, that sense that, you know, he is um, uh, 
given his whole self to to God and and depends on everything from God and and all, and all that. That he he just it was an either or for Luther. Yeah. Whereas for Benedict, for Benedict, he he wants to say that's true. There is that sense that faith has that subjective mm-hmm. quality to it, and that has to be there. But it's actually but there's more to the story. It's a both and, you know, um, not an either or. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I. I was also thinking, um, and I've not, I've never studied. I mean, I've heard the name Schleier Marker, but I've never studied, you know, anything associated with him. But um, I definitely, for my own master's degree in English, I read a little bit of Kant, and and I remember, like nice. the thing, the yes. thing that stuck with me there yeah. is. What'd you read? What'd you read? I think it was. I can't remember the name of mm. it. It was I, most of it was like way over my okay. head. Yeah. It was, mm. it, but it was, but it was some kind of foundational work of his like right critique of pure reason or it may have been something like that yeah. but i remember cool. that the thing i really took away with it the thing that stuck with me was his whole idea of because this is really foundation to the way people approach the study of literature these days right unfortunately yeah. <laughs> um every you know um people want to be like there's no there's no objective reality outside of you that it's all has to do with your subjective perception of some of a thing yeah right and um, and I, that was the big thing that like, that I took away from this, you know, from, from studying this thing from, from Kant. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. his whole idea of like, it all exists in your mind, right. Um, that the reality that you perceive all exists in your mind and that, you know, whatever you think you're seeing as real outside of you is not, is not truly there. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, that that might be a little bit messy in terms of what he actually said, but yeah. that was my takeaway. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah. the world that you know is the world that is is more or less that you construct because... The, yeah. Yeah. So he makes a distinction between the world as it is in itself, which mm-hmm. I can't know. I can only know the world of my experience. Yes. Of my experience. Yeah. And so the world... We all share the same world because our... our so mental structure is the same. Right. And that's the only thing. But after Kant, people are saying, well, no, people live in different parts of the world. They understand the world differently. It's also, it's all relative to, mm-hmm. you know, your experience, your, your particular experience. You can't right. reduce the human to, to this one, you know, Kantian um, machine that sort of orders things. Right. According to this perfect way. And, 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 and that's true. Like, but, but it's not the full truth. It's not the whole truth. Right. It's like each of us certainly perceives, um, perceives things and you know according to our own like subjective and cultural context but that doesn't mean that there's no thing to which we have to attend mentally intellectually spiritually to continue to refine our own understanding to bring it into greater accord with the true with what's true were mm-hmm. right with with the mm-hmm. greater truth mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and to me that's where that's where this breakdown philosophically theologically has happened so much and i can see it kind of rooted back here with with Luther and his discussion of, um, of substance. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, article seven ends with this, this really great quote, faith is not merely a personal reaching out towards things to come that are total, that are still totally absent. It gives us something. It gives us something. I love that. Right. Like it's, we actually receive something in faith. It gives us even now something of the reality we are waiting for. And this present reality constitutes for us a proof of the things that are still unseen. Faith draws the future into the present so that it is no longer simply a not yet. The fact that this future exists changes the present. The present is touched by the future reality, and thus the, f- the things of the future spill over into those of the present, and those of the present into those of the future. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I can't remember where I first heard this, and I think it may just be a, a like an image from the New Testament, but faith is like, 
it's a down, like faith is a down payment on, on the eternal reward, right? Mm-hmm. On the eternal reality. Yeah. Right. It's, um, it's something that's given from outside into us as a, you know, as a, as a deposit, right? As a deposit of, of, it, of eternal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's right. The, uh, so the, and the, the, traditional way of articulating it in the Christian tradition, like the medievals were, you know, so good at making these distinctions and sort of showing the really intelligibility of sort of the, the intelligible basis for, for uh, you know, Christianity. But they, they would co- like uh, uh, Aquinas connected faith to knowledge mm-hmm. and that faith is, um, a not, it's, it's, it's a form of knowledge. It's a form of knowing, and, and um, Benedict will talk about that in a second. I think in the next the next part, but it's it's um, it's already participating in the knowledge, that um, the knowledge of God, and the knowledge is not defined as you know this sort of right list of propositions, mm-hmm. but knowledge is it means being um, being in the presence of presence of the one sought, right? Um, so it's it's uh, being brought into to, to in proximity to God Himself, mm-hmm. and sort of you know the, the Classical way of saying that's the vision of God. Yeah. yeah, that we will see God. We can't see now. We see through a mirror darkly. Right. Um, where it's a cloudy vision, but the hope and that uh, image goes all the way back to the prophets in the, in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that that, um, that the early fathers made such a big deal out of was that that idea of vision, the face to face vision. Mm-hmm. And and you know and even the gospels with the the kingdom of God is within you, right? It's that it's. Um, and again, people in, in a modern, like modern theologians will kind of give it, give this idea of that. Well, you know, there's something of the kingdom of God within each one of us of, you know, of like, you know, the sp- spirit or something like that. And, um, you know, how you feel, you know, and, and, and again, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with that idea. But it, but if you don't include the idea that like, that it's something that's come from outside into you in that, then you're losing um, you're, you're losing the full sense of what that means. Um, so, um, he goes on in, in, uh, part and article eight, and he goes into an even further, uh, further discussion of this idea of substance. And I love this because he's starting to connect it with something that feels more physical. Um, and, and this is extremely helpful to me. Um, he talks about different ideas of property. He talks about different ideas of property and he uses two, uh, two different words, to discuss this. Um, the first is, uh, let's see, uh, the first is hyperconton. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I'm saying that, hyperconta. Mm-hmm. And in Latin, this apparently translates to uh, bonorum, mm-hmm. which... Goods. M- goods, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. I was th- I saw that and I was like, that must be goods, mm-hmm. uh, which we think of goods and it's like material goods, right? You know, we, we uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's what we deal mm-hmm. in every day in our everyday lives, right? Um, so... Uh, this hyperconta is, are the things we depend on for life, right? They're the substance of earthly uh, material life. And he contrasts that with, um, uh, where's the other term? Hyparxin? Hyparxin? Yes. Substantium in the Latin? Yes, hyparxin, yeah, which is the substantium in Latin. So it's the word that we're dealing with in the letter to the Hebrews. Um or it's related to the word we're dealing with in the letter to the Hebrews. And he says, we must not overlook the link between these two types of substance, between means of support or material basis, and the word of faith as the basis, the substance that endures. 
Faith gives life a new basis, a new foundation on which we can stand, one which relativizes the habitual foundation, the reliability of material income. I, I can't help but read this and think of um, Christ in the desert and saying, man does not live on bread alone, but on every uh, word that comes from the mouth of God, right? Um, that that's, that's what he's getting at, is that um, you can... For the Christian, you can ultimately take away the hyperconta, right? The goods of the world, right? So long as I have the the substance of faith, right? Which is the enduring property, right? The mm-hmm. the enduring good, yeah. The one that is truly eternal and doesn't just last you for a moment, yeah. For a fleeting moment, yeah. So just satisfy you, and then you know at lunchtime you have to do it again, yeah. Then at dinner time you have to do it again, yeah. Then you have to have that snack. You know, it's uh, nothing ever truly satisfies. Yeah, yeah, and it's worth giving up everything else for, as the great uh, Mick Jagger once put it. Right? <laughs> Can't get no. <laughs> Can't get no satisfaction. Right? Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know, I, I again, this is just something that I've, I've fallen like over time. I've fallen in love with with regard to Catholicism, and and, I, and this is one of the reasons I love this letter, this encyclical, so much, is because. This is this is the place where I have gotten, uh, where I feel like this is articulated the best I've ever seen I, that I've seen it within the church is like mm-hmm. this whole idea that the that we're talking about something that's not just a feeling, but that is a, a that is a true reality that's already within us, mm-hmm. right? That's been given to us, that comes to us via, in in a concrete way via the Eucharist, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's why the Catholic faith is so Eucharistic. That's why it's so centered on. The Eucharist is and is because we are given the bread of life. This this bread that is no longer bread in the earthly sense, but has become something greater. It's become it's become the source of this eternal life, right? Of this eternal it's this eternal substance. Yeah. Of course that word substance is all bound up in theology of the Eucharist too. Mm-hmm. So yes. but we're yeah. not really gonna get into that right this minute. That would be a whole rabbit trail for us. <laughs> so that'd be fun. So, um, yeah, so the whole, the discussion seems pretty, I mean, it's kind of complicated with words and, and, you know, translations and and historical discussions, but the, the main point, the sort of the substance of what he's getting at, how to say that. Yeah. Substance of what he's getting to. Yeah. You can't get away from the substance and all this. (laughs) (laughs) It is, I mean, here he he wants to get to the point where he, and he's actually continuing the discussion too with, with some more words in Hebrews. Um, and it's worth just chewing on and chewing on and getting into it like a, like like we've we've been able to do, um, but w- when he, he translates, he sa- he says a synonym for that word substance is basis or mm-hmm. foundation. Yeah, that that you know the the sort of fundamentals of life, material our physical existence, water, bread. Um, we have to sleep. Um, we need clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, we need a roof over our heads. All those things are are sort of the the basis or substance for our existence but what christ gives us the resurrected lord gives us he gives us faith yeah and that is sort of um slides right underneath those and become it becomes a deeper foundation mm-hmm. those things those those things are um not as important anymore <laughs> in a strange way right you know we need those things to live but we need faith to have um eternal life yeah and um it's that it's the it's 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 even more important than, like as you were quoting Jesus during his temptation in the desert. It's it's uh, it's not bread alone on which man lives, but God's God, 
the words of God. Right. Um, yeah, the very the very word of God. Yeah. And so um, he he connects this to the monks of ancient times, uh, such as Saint Francis of Assisi, um, but even even contemporaries who you know are contemporaries who enter modern religious institutions. And he says this is what they're seeking, right? This is the reason for those people who take, um, you know, who who take an, uh, who go go a, a few steps further than you know, the vast majority of people even in, in living their faith in these evangelical councils, right? Um, that they are seeking this substance above all else, right? Mm-hmm. That that's, that's the whole root of monastic life, of, uh, of, of particularly a religious life, such as somebody like St. Francis of Assisi, who literally sold everything he had um, and was just completely poor for the rest of his life and just went around begging and preaching the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you see that, that's this is what we're getting at is that they, and and I, you know, my 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 buddy uh, Father Dismas, who is a uh, who's a Franciscan himself. Um, I remember one time, you know, he, he, I've gotten to learn more about his the whole like um, vow of poverty from him over time, and I've seen a couple of times where you know somebody tries to give him something and. He just—it's almost like, you know—he's all—he—he never—it's always—he's always grateful to the person and and um, and thankful for their their kindness, but, um, but you know, it—he'll—it's—it's it's like he has this gift, this precious gift to protect, and that precious gift is his poverty, mm-hmm. right? And what does that give him? You think? I mean, is it? liberate him to what does that poverty do i mean i mean i think that's what it does i think that's what i think i i think it's a liberation from the from from being attached to the things of the world Mm -hmm. um and i think what it ultimately what that ultimately gives him that liberation ultimately gives him this enduring joy Mm -hmm. right because he's he's even more in tune with eternal life right with with the reality of eternal life and the and and the the kingdom right the things that he's going to receive for eternity yeah. which what we which we get into as we continue on right like mm-hmm. this whole idea of what's going on there yeah um i i uh let's see nine um oh there was something in nine i wanted to hit on and now i'm not seeing it or maybe it was later on okay. um well uh, oh go ahead yeah i just wanted to continue that conversation a little bit about about that because you know the people like us with families and and you know we we have to scrape and fight and work for our daily bread for our survival and we have these children that in people that we're responsible for Mm -hmm. their futures depend on us scraping and fighting and struggling to to make ends meet yep and you know the ends don't always meet and uh that 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 struggle and that uh, that fighting for survival, really. Um, it's uh, I mean, it's not the whole thing. And people, I mean, successful successful people, they they still have fears of losing their money or whatever, and sure and things like that. But but and and I you know, I guess the idea for us is that you know we don't place our hopes in those things. Those things are necessary components of our lives, and those are goods. Right. They are good things to to enjoy. You know, to have to have you know, to have those sort of material blessings are, are wonderful things. I know they can easily be twisted and, and, and used the wrong way and become, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, we become attached to them, like as you were saying, and they become like ends in themselves. 
and, uh, and like for us and not for others and, and that kind of ugly stuff. But, um, man, that, that, that freedom that Father Dismas has is quite remarkable. Yeah. And it's something, you know, it's almost like that's impossible for someone like myself who has these, um, respons- you know, these particular responsibilities, this role, this purpose that's yeah. very different from his. I mean, he right. stands as a sort of a contradiction to this world. He stands like an eschatological, or a beyond the end almost. He's living now in this freedom that's that's everyone's to come. Yep. And that's a gift for all of us. Right. You know, and we can't all do that. But um, but for us, I mean, how do we, what's your take on that? Like, how do we, I mean, we can't, our job is not to be Father Dismas. Yeah. But our job is to, is that freedom and that, that joy um, is not closed to us, is it? Oh, absolutely not. Take, yeah, absolutely I mean, what, not. Those are just some thoughts that I've. Well, it's a wrestling thing that I've. Oh, had with this. Absolutely. I mean, I think any, um, uh, you know, any, any Christian has to, has to wrestle mm-hmm. with those questions, mm-hmm. um, because in the gospel, the word, you know, the Lord can be pretty stark about some of this stuff, right? Yeah. It's like, well, you know, you're, uh, you know, what does he say to the rich young ruler, right? You know, sell all that you have. Uh, and give it to the poor and come and follow me. I'm paraphrasing, but it's, you know, that's essentially what he says. And, you know, and then he goes away sad, right? The rich young ruler goes away sad, right? Because he can't let go of those things. Um, So, you know, we all have to be like honest with ourselves about what the Lord's calling us to do and whatever our state of life is. Um, You know, uh, I think, you know, at, I certainly think it's possible, you know, that I, I, I'm sure there's been stories of people in, in our situation where, you know, they're they're married and they have kids who are, um, you know, relying on them for, you know, for their material needs, and, and amongst other things. Like even, I mean, just, just the overall spiritual good of a father, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm sure there's been people in the past who have just like been like, well, Jesus said to do this, so I'm going to leave it all and go and follow him and just out. float around, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 like that's, that like the thanks be to God, we have the church and the voice of, you know, the voice of the magisterium to kind of give us guidance there and say like, look, that's, that's not the right way to do it. Right. That's, that's not truly the right way to follow the Lord because you do have these other responsibilities that you, that you, that, that are sacred or oh, in, in a very sacred way entrusted to you. Yeah. Right. That's why marriage is a sacrament. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, you, you know, the, the challenge there is to discern the will of God for those things, because the evangelical counsel still apply to us, right? Um, there mm-hmm. is a very real way in which we have to strive to live in, like, you know, in, in poverty in our own way, right? Mm-hmm. In whatever mm-hmm. way that looks like yeah. in our particular lives. I don't want to get too far into that, because I think that'd be a really interesting topic for, you yeah, know, like another series, mm-hmm. like another, maybe another book to explore. Another, yeah. I know there's some good books out there on that particular topic. Um but uh, but it's not like we can just be like, well, we're married and we have kids, so we don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Like the evangelical <laughs> councils, it's like, no, yeah, we we I'm still just have give a little money to Father Dismas and yeah. his uh, community, and then they can do the good stuff. And I'll, yeah, and yeah, that makes me feel and better. I can reap all the benefits from it. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, like there's um, we we each have to every Christian uh, has to has has to find how to follow the Lord even more. Yeah, I mean, there's something that you know that that. De- that uh you know dependence that we that we have ourselves i mean we that doesn't go away that's just a human thing mm-hmm. you know i am i just hope and trust that i can provide for my kids 
and give him, you know, the op- give them opportunities and grow them, let them grow in the faith and, and be, you know, a good spiritual leader to them and my family and all that. Um, but man, this, in the struggle of survival, that, that total dependence on God is involved. Yeah. And, uh, faith that, you know, hopes, um, that all this isn't in, in vain that, you know, the, the labors that, I, that I pour into my kids and my family, those things that will, will bear fruit for them, mm-hmm. spiritual fruit. And, uh, so yeah. Um, are we on? Yeah. We are. Little technical difficulty, people. Nothing, nothing to worry about. So, <laughs> all good. <laughs> anyway, so there it is. Right on. So, um, so yeah. Our our let's let's move on a little bit. So, Article yeah. Nine um, continues in the dis- in this discussion of uh, you know of of substance, and it it makes a distinction between two types of patients: um, the patients of faith, uh, hypomony, I guess, mm-hmm. hypomony. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is perseverance and constancy. So this is a good patience, right? This is persevering in hope, right? Um, understanding that we are going to receive what has been promised to us, right? To not lose heart. But then he contrasts that with um, timidity, with shrinking back, which is this uh, hypostole. So um, uh, this is a spirit of fear, and that's the thing we want to avoid. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of move on from that one because that to me that was not one of the most fascinating articles in the whole bit. And I want to move on to eternal life, the discussion of eternal life here. Cool. So, uh, is that cool with you? Yeah, man. All right. So we get to article 10 and this is what I was looking for. I thought was in article nine, actually. Um, he asks, so now we must ask explicitly, is the Christian faith also for us today, a life changing and life sustaining hope? And, uh, and I love this little bit in the middle of this article about, um, the discussion of when of of what happens at baptism, right? When the parents are asked, "Well, what do you ask of the church for your child?" Right? And and what's the response? It's faith. Faith. Yeah. Just one word. Faith. And that's always been weird to me. Like yeah. you know, it's a weird response. What do you ask from the church? Faith. Well, why don't you, like so the church gives you that? And it's like yes, mm-hmm. the church gives you that because it's a substance right? It's a substance that you don't possess apart from the church. Mm-hmm. It's something that the church possesses, has been given by Jesus Christ to hand on to the people of the world, mm-hmm. right? So this is a real thing. It's not It's not like just, oh, you know, feelings of faith or, you know, or, 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 or some kind of subjective thing like that. It's a, it is a true heavenly substance, a true eschatological substance that's been given that's being given to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. it says the quote here is today is in the past. This is what it, being baptized, becoming Christians is all about. It is not just an act of socialization within the community, not simply a welcome into the church. The parents expect more for the one to be baptized. They expect that faith, which includes the corporeal nature of the church and her sacraments will give life to their child, eternal life. Faith is the substance of hope. So um, I love that because it, it was, it, it illustrated in my mind, you know what really what he's getting at here this whole idea of the of the spiritually concrete form that that faith and hope take in the life of the christian yeah yeah and this sets the stage for his discussion of the what we can know what we know and hold on to what we know about eternal life and what we don't know sort of the knowing and unknowing dimension that that is intrinsic to to faith that's really important that's a great starting point for that yeah 
Well, it, ca- carry on if you if you want to <clears throat> if you want to wax poetic beyond that. So, <laughs> okay, sounds like you do. So, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, not necessarily, but I, I would just say that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the question that he begins with is the Christian faith also for us today, as you just quoted, a life changing and life sustaining hope. It's so he wants to hold the fact that it is this substance, this, this, as you put it really nicely, an eschatological substance. It's the, it's something from that world to come that's here now. And mm-hmm. the form it takes is faith. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very strange, you know, and, and that's right because the, the risen Jesus is, is not, he is not in person as, as a human person physically among us. He's with us in the mode, in a, in different modalities. And it's a heaven, his, where he is, the heavenly reality where he is, is present in the earthly reality in a in different form. Mm-hmm. That form is sacramental. Um, and um, at the heart of it is sacramental. His presence is, is through, the, and through the Eucharist or Thanksgiving sacrifice that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we commune with him. That's where sort of time and eternity meet together here and now. Like it's happening somewhere in the world right now. Right. Time and um, kind of opens up to eternity, and and, and the and the, the the last things, the ultimate things, are there now, mm-hmm. and people are are participating in that. Here's here's the weird thought I have, I have on that, and um, you know, I I know in one of our early episodes we talked a little bit about the, uh, you know, my fascination with like um like in, intense paranormal stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I brought up Skinwalker Ranch and yeah. the whole like you know this it's this place in Utah where like you know people say like these weird portals to other dimensions open up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, like when I, when I look at, when I, when I think about like what we do in Eucharistic adoration and you're like, you know, here's the, here's this circular, uh, you know, circular, what looks like bread um, in the monstrance. Right. And you're kind of looking at it. I remember years ago thinking to myself, like, it's like a portal to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like if you can reach, if you could reach into that in some way, right? Like, would would your arm come out on the other side in eternity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a weird kind of very off the reservation thought, but it's where my mind go. You know, it's where my mind has gone. Yeah. Um. Huh. And and not you know obviously not in a literal sense. I don't really believe that you can like stick your hand into the Eucharist and it'll come mm-hmm. out the other side in, in some place. But, um, but just the whole idea that like I, what I'm looking at in Eucharistic adoration is is the kingdom of God. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and it's, and again, like you can't perceive it. Like you're not, you can try as hard as you want with your eyes. You won't perceive it with your eyes. Yep. Right. Yeah. Eyes fail you. The senses fail you. But by faith, the substance that you're given by the church, you know mm-hmm. what this is. Yeah. That's right. A, yeah. And that's the thing you have to lay hold of. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. When senses fail, that's the thing you have to lay hold of. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah, it's so wild. I know it's yeah. it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. But like, this is what we truly believe as Catholics. Like, this is this is what the Church teaches about. You know, you say not not now. I'm not saying like what my weird thought is like explicitly <laughs> stated by the Church. I'm the just church saying of like John. Yeah, I'm just saying like um, that. That's kind of where my mind goes with the basics of what the Church teaches about this. Like yeah. this, the whole practice of Eucharistic adoration yeah. that we're oh, sitting here like adoring as God what looks to the senses like bread. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how weird that must be to people, you know, the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. It's legit. So, it's, I mean, I think that, that uh, reverie or that imaginative, you know, uh, approach, I mean, I think that's, that's legit. It's, it's, uh, 
it's not like you're not proclaiming a new doctrine. You're just in awe of the doctrine. Yeah. Of, of you know, the reality. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real with like Aquinas people, you know, <laughs> down in adoration, falling, just saying, you know, yeah. just mind blown, mind being blown constantly. Right. Yep. 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 So there you have it. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, so anyway, his question is, what is it that, so we, we've been talking a bit about how that brings, brings the, the heavenly substance or eschatological substance, those things that are beyond time and sort of the, the, the fullness of things um, into the present, into the now. And he, he's asking, what does that faith that we have, um, as you just were describing, and, and um, what does that faith do for us now? How does it change our lives? Mm-hmm. And uh, what does it do? What is it? How does it? What does it perform? He makes that distinction between the performative and informative. It's right. Not, the objectivity of faith is not, as we were just saying a minute ago, is not like a, a list of correct propositions. Mm-hmm. And I think correct propositions are, are important. Um, in terms, you know, really crucial. Right. But they're there. But those things are not the the be all and end all. There's the performative dimension that he, that hope reminds us about. Yes. Um, and it's con- close connection with, with, with faith. Yeah. It, and, and when I think of this performative, I just, I think of like the whole like, um, faith and works argument, right? Like that there's, that this isn't just something because, because as you probably know, having grown up Protestant as, as do I, um, there is a, a strong kind of strand. And I know some Protestants will argue that this is not correct, but, Certainly, in what I was brought up in, there was a strong emphasis on faith alone, right? And that's mm-hmm. very, you know, kind of reformational Luther- Lutheran, and but even continuing on into other denominations, sort of idea yeah. existing there. And um, and so when I hear Benedict say performative here, that's what I, I think of works, right? That that like look, you can we can talk about belief, and belief is part of the equation, but. It, but there's something much more than that, right? There's a there's a way of life, a, a a living witness that goes along with this, and and in your everyday life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The hope does. So a, like a performative act, you're an English guy. So like you know, uh, an informative act would be to say something like that couple over there that just walked out of the church. They 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 um are married. Mm-hmm. A performative act would be the act when the minister. Um, presiding over the ceremony says, I now pronounce you man and wife. That's a performative right. verbal act. It, it, it affects the change that it, mm-hmm. or represents the change or, or affects the change that it, it states. Yeah. And so the analogy with the, well, and, and, the, and the affection and devotion they show to one another in their marriage, right. is performative as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, you talk about faith in the context of marriage and, you know, faith, faithfulness, unfaithfulness, well, both, uh, you know, you, you can, two people can be, can be married. Um, and you know, there's, there's clear concrete, you know, very explicit ways of breaking faith with one another, but there's also a sense in which like when they lose that, when they lose a devote, like kind of devotional and, um, affectionate perspective towards one another, that, um, that the, that's that performative dimension of the, you know, of, of, of the, of their marriage, like going away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that they're, they're losing, they're losing touch with the reality that they need to be, um, you know, showing each other love, right. Mm-hmm. They need to be showing each other love without that. 
uh, you know, if a, if a husband doesn't show his wife, um, love, then that marriage is going to suffer because of it. Right. Yeah. To the point of, to the point of even maybe dying. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and vice versa. So, um, so yeah, this, the, you, you can't have something that's faith without a performative dimension to it. Yeah. Right. That works. Yeah. So it, it does something in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it changes, changes us, changes the world. Um, all right. Well, so we are at, uh, our normal stopping time and we're through 10, which, you know, this, it just continues to amaze me how slow we are, <laughs> mm-hmm. even slower than I expect every week. Um, do you want to continue on for a few more minutes or do you want to, do you want to pause there and, and, um, cause again, like the stuff's too good to rush through. So, yeah, I mean, we could probably do 11 and 12 and this end at the, you want to do that team because it kind of has a change there. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can go ahead, go ahead with 11. Okay. Um, so, um, 11, he starts to get into, um, let's see, he starts to get into like the whole idea of like, what is true life? Um, what does it mean to truly live? Uh, I was at, I was at something last night and I saw the clip from Braveheart where, uh, you know, freedom, you know, no, not that one where, um, uh, all men die, not all men truly live. Mm. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's such an awesome line. Yeah. Um, speaking of which like Braveheart, that's like, that's just like, that's one of those movies where like, you know, you walk, you haven't seen it in a long time and, and then it's on TV or something like that. And you watch it and you start watching it again and you're like, just totally engrossed in it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This movie, you know, it's, it's incredible film. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, but like, what does it mean to truly live? Um, that's a pretty darn important question. Um, he says, Benedict says, on the one hand, we do not want to die above all those who love us do not want us to die. Yet on the other hand, neither do we want to continue living indefinitely, nor was the earth created with that in view. So what do we really want? Our paradoxical attitude gives rise to a deeper question. What in fact is life? And what does eternity really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all, in, in some sense, we all want to live forever because we don't want to die. But but when we really think about that, to live forever in in, in the reality that we, that we inhabit right now mm-hmm. is ludicrous, yeah. right? It would be... It would actually be a curse. Yeah. Right. Um, you get into all kinds of thinking about zombie stuff, or just having to think about like when you see somebody who's lived a long life, but their, you know, their 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 strength is gone mentally, physically. They're you know, there there's not much left there for them. Um, despite the objective dignity they have as a human being made in the image of God, it's like, you know maybe this is a gift that they're leaving us, right? Maybe it truly is a gift that they're leaving us because like it's, <laughs> yeah, right. It's not pretty form right now. Right. Yeah. What I, what I want to be continuing to live in that, in that particular state. So, yeah. or even as, as you know, my former 30 year old self in like the height of my physical condition, or even my 40 year old self that did the tough mutter. Yeah. Like my perfect pristine physical form that I, that I am. Yes. Right. Total, total Adonis. <laughs> yes. Uh, even living in that forever. Uh huh. Would would just doesn't make is not attractive, right? You know, it, it, being able to do tough mutters every weekend, which though attractive for a while, yeah, would be um, unattractive after you know a few months, right? You know, so I, he's uh, he's asking about you know that can't be what we mean when we say eternal life, yeah. But on the other hand, the other the flip side of that is life is what we have now, right? We have life. It's all we have. Right. We have life. We're alive, yeah. and all these and good, that's good are these things are these things that we're you know 
we abandon, you know, by the Christian faith. We see them as, you know, passing away. This world's passing away. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, Christianity is, is a radical affirmation of this world and its mm-hmm. goodness. And it, it takes the paradoxical form of saying no to um, the world dominated by death. And, but, you know, but seeing in the world already, it groaning, you know, as St. Paul says, it's groaning for and, and yearning yes. for its liberation. Yeah, um, Romans 8. Yeah, man, here we are. Romans <laughs> like my 8. favorite, probably my favorite, yeah. you know, little section in all Groans scriptures. With eager expectations it's for so, liberation. So incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that, that, that strange character, again, of Christianity keeps popping, popping up. Yeah. You know, it's paradoxical. It's the life, it's life that we have and we want to hold on to. But this this kind of this life extended forever is not what is not what life ultimately is. Right. It's just a shadow form or a trickling of water, whereas the rushing river is what what we all know what uh, that it should be, mm-hmm. and that we, we we're trying to hold on to and find everywhere. Yeah, within this life and the moments we have of just utter and complete joy, ecstasy, whatever, um, we get a glimpse of what we really ultimately want like we want to be able to draw those moments out into yeah um you know out into uh you know foreverness but they fleet they're they're fleeting right they run away from us mm-hmm. and we can't hold on to them and yeah. and i've learned like don't try to hold on to them because if you do then you like if you try to recreate some great moment that you had yeah it's not gonna be the same it's not gonna be the same chasing and, the dragon yeah and yeah. um but if you let it, you know, if you let it happen, it, you know, it can, it can happen again, but, but don't try to recreate what you've had, uh, because those, that's, that's a gift. But to get back to the heart of the question here and ben, what Benedict says is, uh, ultimately what we want is only one thing, the blessed life, the life, which is simply life called happiness. And he's quoting there actually from St. Augustine. Um, we do not know this reality at all, this blessed life, even in those moments when we think we can reach out and touch it, it eludes us. We do not want what we should pray for as we uh, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, he says, quoting St. Paul. All we know is that it is not this. Yet in not knowing, we know that this reality must exist. There is, therefore, in us a certain learned ignorance, so to speak, yeah. Augustine writes. Um, we do not know what we, should re- what we re- would really like. We do not know this true life, and yet we know that there must be something we do not know towards which we feel driven. And when I read that thing you quoted from Romans 8, um, you know, the creation groans in eager expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. Um, that's, that's a crucial part of this hope, right? Is that when we say, you know, we, we, as Christians, when we profess the creed, we're looking for the life everlasting, the, um, uh, we're looking for the, the new heavens and the new earth, right? Um, the life of the world to come. Yeah. It's not, and which is not just about us being in heaven. Um, it's, it's about the new heavens and the new earth, which we see in revelation, right? Mm -hmm. That, Mm -hmm. This creation, which is now subject to futility, which is now subject to um, to death and decay and these sorts of things, so beautiful in its own right, so wonderful in its own right, such a gift, it's subject to decay, and it and there's a sadness in that, but that's not the end of it, mm-hmm. right? That that there's some, God has some plan for not just the human race, but for everything, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and it's and it focused in the human race, right? But... But ultimately, like all of the good things that we experience in this life, point to that reality, that unending reality, which we can't truly, we can't truly fathom in this world's terms. We have to accept it on faith, yeah. right? We yeah. have to accept it as part of that down payment of joy, yeah, right? Yeah, the best we us. the best we can do is say what Benedict's emphasizing here 
is you know all the, he's talking about the limits of our of our conception of it mm-hmm. and the best we can do uh, uh, um, is to use these images uh, use, we use the resources we have to articulate it new heavens new earth yep fullness of joy eternal um, sort of embrace with God mm-hmm. um, the, the the act of sexual encounter is one of the, the fundamental ones that the that um, the mystics use yeah to talk about the you know the, the yeah all these God. all these cloistered monks and nuns talking you know <laughs> get getting all sexy yeah. talk on people <laughs> uh, like a feast yeah all those images and things they they uh, sort of give us little intimations of of it right um and well i i think too of like of um of great art right and i think even in the act of creating art of you know writing uh music creating poetry um visual art just i, I think acts of creation speak to this as well like they're they, they come from a place of yearning for mm-hmm. for a, a, a different reality that we kind of perceive within ourselves yeah. right um and and experiencing great great art can especially especially i think like music and poetry like there's there just seems to be something about those things or like or like weird visual art right mm-hmm. like um you know some of the uh you know, just the like the 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 painters of the like the renaissance age and just some of this strange religious art that was created during that time like like that's why I, that's why i want catholics to create weird stuff mm-hmm. is because um like weird stuff points to that greater reality, right? It's, it goes beyond what we can conceive of in this world. And it says, there's something here that you just need to think about, right? You need to think about that, what this, what this ultimately means. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, all those, all those things point to point beyond this reality and say like, what you're looking for is not here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Two of the images I like to, to use when I'm thinking about this is the relationship between a seed and the, and the, full-grown plant with fruits yes. and stuff like the world now is a, is a seed mm-hmm. and christ talks about the faith and that's a seed it's planted and it's gonna you know it's growing the kingdom of god is like that um but but you could think about the whole world now the the, the whole um mater- the whole universe that we um know mm-hmm. and that the life that we have is like a seed that once watered and tended by the gardener is going is is going to blossom and bloom into something that that tiny little seed and that that amazing tree that it's going to be and call that eternal life or the right. new creation stuff like that that relationship is is like the world we have now that tiny little seed contains all that in there but and, but um it's the creator's purpose original purpose with it but it's still in seed form it's buried in the air oh around, dude you know yeah and then and then the other one is, that I, I like to think about uh, hold that thought i had a, i had a yeah. Yeah. i had a weird you had something on riffing on what you said, rock on, right? Riffing on what you said. See, yeah. see, this is how we are, people. We're like, like Chris is all like, diddly, 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 and I'm like, <laughs> ree, ree, ree. you know, we're like, we're just jamming back and forth. Um, so you know, this, we're just this is improv. This, yeah, is, this is it, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, no, what I was thinking, you know, you're talking about the earth, like the seed, and then you you made reference to the earth and and that kind of like. I, I just pictured like the earth as the seed of mm-hmm. the cosmos, yeah. right? Like yeah. of the final state of the cosmos. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and no wonder everything is subject to decay, right? No wonder everything is passing away in this world because that's what happens to the seed. Mm-hmm. The seed goes into the ground and it dies. Yeah. Right. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground. But then that little seed becomes the huge, I mean, I've got this huge oak tree in my backyard and mm-hmm. I think about like that started from an acorn. I know. It's crazy. 
it's insane, mm-hmm. right? That an ac- that that's the same reality as that acorn, right? It's yeah. the same being as that acorn, yeah. But it's become this huge oak tree, mm-hmm. and that's that this it's the earth that acorn, right? Yeah. And and the, and the final state of the cosmos is to be like that that all of the good things that we know here and now are to fill the cosmos, mm-hmm. right? Like all of creation yeah. in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's still like, even in that, like it, it can't possibly be the fullness of explanation, right. but it's, but like that image, I'd never thought of that before, mm-hmm. but it's like, no wonder we're sitting here in this world that is beautiful in its own right, but feels like it's passing away and is full of death and decay and sadness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because we're the seed. It's mm-hmm. the seed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. And in, nice. and in in faith, the seed has already started to blossom. So when we see things, you know, we when the kingdom of God is pre- when Christ is present in the world, that that seed is be- is growing. Mm-hmm. You know, in what we call the kingdom, where, where Christ truly reigns right. already in advance. That that um, seed is is starting to bust out of its little shell. Yeah, out of its kernel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when you see that little uh, those little things, yeah, mm-hmm. starting to well, germination break apart. Yeah, germination. Germination, that's the word. Yeah, man. So I did have another image that I, I yeah. like to think about, but should I continue with that? It's up to you, man. I, I'm I, not limited on time. You go, are, so. I'm going two minutes. Okay. All right, here's my thing. All right. This is more about our knowledge, because mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's talking about the limits of our knowledge, what he called learned ignorance there, in that cool phrase. But um, so, you know, like, imagine yourself as a, as a baby in the womb. Mm-hmm. The, the baby in the womb, as, as it develops, is, becomes sort of aware. Yeah. You know, it reacts to things in its environment. That's the only world it knows. And it, you know, babies can hear sounds, but they're muffled. They can see, you know, dim lights and things, you know, they can feel warmth or cold and they, you know, move from it or, or draw to it, you know. Mm-hmm. They can, um, you know, the, the rhythm of the mother's breathing and the heartbeat is, you know, and I don't know, you know, all this. They have, an, they have a world. Yeah. The world that they know is that nice, cozy, liquid, watery, you know, home that they're reality that's that's their world that's analogous to and we've used this example of this tiny you know tiny house that we record in Mm -hmm. in the backyard that's our universe right and um you know through the and 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 saint paul uses that image of um like a woman in labor yeah is it saint paul or jesus (laughs) i can't remember anymore Uh, probably both of them i know saint paul does yeah yeah it's 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 uh that that right now the, like he uses that language in Romans eight about the groaning and eager expectation. It's almost right. like a childbirth image. Yeah. When the child is born and comes into the new world, you know, it's, it's, uh, the world is much bigger than, than he thought. It's much mm-hmm. more wonderful and full of things like art and music and, um, mathematical theorems and, um, dolphins that seemingly have some kind of language. It's, it's just, it's so replete with yeah. meaning and, and unending, uh, unending wonders. Mm-hmm. And that's the analogy between our, our experience now, even with faith, we see like these dull lights and, you know, and feel these warmths or whatever, like the baby in the womb. Mm-hmm. But, but through, 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 um, you know, the passage from li- the life we have now to new life through death is, uh, like a child being born. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, this is, this is good stuff for sure. Um, I know, so we, uh, we, we hit, um, we, we got through, Article 11, um, I think we'll pick up with Article 12 next time, and that'll help us get into, um, that'll help us continue with the discussion of eternal life and then get into um, 
is Christian hope individualistic and maybe even um, what's happened to Christian faith hope in the modern age. So this has been kind of exciting and, and good stuff, but we kind of have to get into what's happened historically to what was for a long time the Christian hope. It, we have to understand what kind of the disease that's, effect, that's afflicted it for the last couple of centuries in order to understand where do we go from here and hope. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the plan. Get ready to buckle up. Going forward. Yeah. So, all right, my man. Thank you. All right. And uh, thank you, and we will... Uh, and thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, remember, send us... Uh, you can visit redlanddistrict.com. Uh, look for us on Facebook and Twitter, which aren't up as we record, but will be soon. And um, and then subscribe, rate, review. Keep it real. Yeah. We'll talk at you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.